Right, here we are, Friday once again. It's time for API storytelling. Um, let me bring my friends in here and we can uh, talk a little bit more. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Doing all right. Pretty good week. No complaints good. overall. Don't have anything to kvetch about. Let me uh, let me bring in Aiden. All right. Hey, hey guys. There he is. How's everyone doing? So, uh, doing good. No real complaints this week. I don't have anything to complain about. I'm pretty happy and feel like I'm getting a handle on work again. And and uh, and oh, I did my first breaking changes show this week um, with Shutterstock. That that was cool. So I'm um, cool. feeling good about that. So no, very good. good. Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. we don't have a guest this week. Um, and then I was just thinking about various realms and what possibly we could talk about. And I wanted to throw out talking about change because I would say the context that I, it, it popped into my head isn't necessarily what how I want to talk about because I know uh, Aiden, you especially have 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 a wealth of, of thoughts about change and you too, Mike. But, uh, um, you know, I was I was thinking of it in context of API evangelists and, and how my blog really isn't that relevant anymore from an SEO standpoint because I don't actively publish to it. Um, it still does a, a quite a fair bit, like 5,000 page views a day of traffic. But I was just thinking about how unless I perform on a regular basis, um, uh, I don't show, I don't, I'm not of concern to the algorithms. And, and even, even if the articles are, are relevant, like Google very much focuses on the, the blogs or the sites that are, are perpetually evolving. And there are some archival, but like the, the web is, is, is really about, always perpetually changing and it's not very good at at documenting what was or what is uh, in any sort of archival way and so and then that went into my daughter's doing some archival work around um some japanese history she's, she's got an internship this summer so i was thinking about archival work and so i just wanted to throw out there like you know and and aiden you asked coming into this what are we going to talk about we're going to talk about api change or are we going to talk about just change change and I'm game for anything, but I just like change is 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 fascinating because I'm I'm starting to get to the age. Um, oh, I don't want to talk about age because Mike Mike <laughs> always makes me feel like so I'm I'm getting to the point where like I'm 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 more resistant to change, um, <laughs> and I always loved and embraced change. But um, what like what are your feelings on change now? I mean, not at an age related thing, Mike, but just like. <laughs> What, you know, are you still an embracer of change? Are you still, are you starting to get where you're like, it, it, it rubs you weird, rubs you wrong? I'll, I'll just volunteer. I love change and I still love change. To me, change is the, the grist for the mill, the sand in the oyster. It's the, it change, the information is in the change, right? If it's the same, I get no information. I get no new data. So I love the entropy. I love all of that. Um, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, and, you know, as I've gotten older, I've noticed, you know, arcs or distance of change more. Um, I, I think it's changing faster, but, you know, I know enough about brains and how we record things that I think I just, I just imagine it faster. I still love change. 
And I always have tried, just in the API space, I've tried to actually make change a feature of the kinds of APIs and services and models and frameworks that I create, rather than making it very static. Now, I will just add, um, I agree with you in the web as it's conceived uh, is lousy at, at, at exposing change, at archival, at history. It's just terrible. Um, things, things break because of the way the web is, is basically constructed and implemented over the internet. And I am really annoyed by that. I find myself using the Wayback Machine, the internet Wayback Machine more and more because I want the archive. And we don't have a sane way to do that. So that's really annoying. But I, I love change as a feature. It's me. Yeah. I mean, I think change is an opportunity. Uh, and it's also like a scary thing because, you know, if the wave comes and you add the right amount of energy and you point your surfer, surfboard in the right direction, like you get to a really cool new place. Um, and if you don't add that energy, you will get crushed. Um, and the part that makes change scary is that you do not get to control the cadence of the waves. Um, so you just have to like always kind of be on and ready for it because it can be really, really good or it can set you back or pummel you or all these things. And I think, um, you know, that's why folks resist change is because it doesn't always go the way that they want it to. Um, but at the same mm. time, it's better to look behind you and see the change coming and figure out what you're going to do in that moment. Um, and I say this and like, you know, obviously like we all want to love change. I think I love it like 2% less than I should. Um, and I, that's all, I'm always trying to close the gap. Um, but I think like, yeah, that we just got to be conscious of that. And um, that I think is why we, why we, why we have this opportunity. Um, and also I think why we sometimes resist it because it does require that, uh, non-consensual input of energy and it's arranged on the universe's basis not ours and i think that is uh the part that's hard about it is is i well, mean is I, any of this yeah go ahead because i'm curious if if any of what we're saying links or, or connects with what you're thinking about yeah definitely uh, i mean i oh no go ahead go ahead Aiden. all right you guys froze so i thought he was asking me a question but you're good ken yeah no, uh, I, I was so so definitely. I mean, I and and it was somewhat baiting, and and, and because I actually really love, I really love change. I'm really a big fan of change, but it's it's in in certain contexts, and there's areas where I'm getting more resistant to change. But some, I mean, bringing it back to APIs, I have two APIs that I still use that that haven't changed that I love. One is AWS S3 for storage, and the other is Pinboard for bookmarks and the code I wrote in 2011 for both of those has never changed. Like yeah. I've, I've never had a break in both of the, yeah. my custom built solutions that use those. And those are storage of images, videos, like this video will go up into my, my S3 storage. Bookmarks to this will be stored in, in Pinboard and, and, and be stored. And I love that the, I don't have to spend time rewriting those things because if i if they broke i may not fix them because mm. i don't have that time in my day and so when i think about you know like my website oh i'm like oh i you know most of my articles i could regurgitate repost right now as today maybe change the title and it would be relevant most of the stuff i said before 
And so it kind of bothers me that it isn't considered relevant anymore by, by the Google algorithm. Um, and so yeah. certain change bothers me, certain change doesn't bother me. And I'm I'm definitely getting very old guy on you know, change on my lawn, you know. And but uh but it's I I I still love change. I, and I would say coming out of COVID, I'm starting to think about like, you know, what what's change look like do so the other thing that I did, so speaking of blog, API evangelist was irrelevant. Ken Lane, I flushed last week. So I flushed everything back to 2007 on Ken Lane, wrote a really? fresh blog post, and it's brand new. I don't have any of that previous content because kind of speaking to changes, like my tone on API or on Ken Lane for the last five years has really been working on Ken Lane, like really fixing me, identifying, talking about me and hyper focus on on my past and my problems and issues and to be honest i feel like i've dealt with most of those issues i feel really really good about myself and who i am and where i'm going and i don't feel that i need that journal out there publicly available anymore now i saved mm -hmm. it and i might print a little book version of it and put it on my shelf and go this is like kin lane 2015 to 2020 um but I don't need that on the website. I don't need that index by in search engines. I actually feel like it's kind of a liability um, now that I'm a super famous talk show host. Um, and so, you know, I guess I guess for me, this comes down to like being able to manage change and pull the knobs and levers and have a certain agency and control when it comes to change. And so are there ways that you guys feel like change? Like, I like your wave analogy. Uh, Aiden, because yeah. it's like I remember first time surfing, and and you know, like when you get slammed by a wave that you weren't like looking for, or whatever. Like, yeah. what about change? Don't you like? I mean, you both said you really like change, but is there things that change that really, uh, you know, slams you and and make and that you wish wouldn't happen? Yeah, I mean, I had like three kinds of big changes uh, happen in the last week or two. I was helping my family with a lot of stuff and a lot of work things that I'm like, my role has switched a lot because we've hired all these new people. And, um, you know, my, I sometimes get mad at the universe. I'm like, but why is it all at once? It's like you could, <laughs> three waves from different directions at the at different times would be fine and it'd be really fun. Um, but it's like, what? <laughs> I have a friend I'm helping, a family I'm helping, and my, my job has completely changed. Um, and it's like, you could have maybe spaced this. Like, do you know about load balancing universe? <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't, it just it just never does. So, no, so to me, no. that's, the, that's the only kind of change I hate. Like I, I've gotten like a better attitude about it because like I have found that for some reason, all of the important changes in my life happen in threes or fours. Um, and I don't know if that's something about my law of attractionness or just I've gotten unlucky or whatever, but like, to me, that's the thing that just, it's when they, when it happens together and it requires the same kind of like emotional um, or like physical or, or monetary or financial, all these different things that you have to put out there as energy to arrange the universe back to the way you want it to be, or to catch that wave. Like that, that is the most stressful time when it's like, ah, come on. <laughs> I, I would say, I think this is a little close to what you're talking about, Ken, is, is what, what I'm discovering is, to me, change has a distance factor to it. 
It literally has like a, a, a distance. So um, the changes that have been going on for quite a while frustrate me because I sense that distance. I can't recall or I can't remember or um, it's changed so much that a good example is that this code doesn't work anymore or things like that. Those kinds of changes frustrate me. They frustrate me because, not because they're changes, but because I don't know how to deal with them. Like it, it, it thwarts me in some way. Maybe it's kind of what you're saying, Aiden. Um, I can't do this now. It's, it's sort of like, oh, let me go ahead and whip this up. I've got a utility for that. Oh, this utility doesn't work because one of the dependencies changed. You know, it's like, so now I have to go ahead and dig another hole and mm -hmm. then move all that dirt to fill that hole and then go back over here and finally do the thing I was going to do. And it's like a day, day or two later, and I thought this was going to be easy. That's the change that frustrates me. But as I said before, um, what fascinates me about change is we have, we experience change every single day. Everything around us changes. And there's like, we ignore it or it's no barrier. We work around it. There's a deep, big detour up on a major road about four blocks from my house that, you know, we travel a lot. Well, that's change, you know, and we're just going to adapt and get around it. So we do this all the time. And what fascinates me is there are so many changes that we think don't affect us. We just go on with our lives until one day, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I guess I never noticed that store closed or, or something like that, right? Yeah. And how we can deal with that in other parts of our life. So what I'm noticing more than anything else, what I notice are the changes that thwart me or the ones that surprise me in some kind of way. And maybe that's what the waves are, Aiden. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's sort of the same idea. But you know, that that's me. So when it comes to the uh oh no, I lost that thought. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well, I think, so I think there's a bunch of different kinds of change. Um, and this might be something that prompts different thoughts in you guys. I think there are these unexpected like environmental changes or so sociological or technological or market goes down. These are like those, those waves that you don't expect that are coming for you and you have to react to them. Um, and there's the changes that you try to initiate um, in your own life for some reason, usually past knowledge that makes you think it might be better. Um, and all of these things are fractal, like the things that affect a human individual affect a family, which affect and also affect a company, which affect a society. Like all of this is completely fractal. So you could apply set of person you could put in company here or API or whatever. Um, so there's the things that you're trying to change. And then you have like some way of knowing if you've gotten there or not, and it may never actually happen if you don't have the right process in place to make that change happen. Um, and then there's the kind of changes which are like, um, I think they're almost like they're like subconscious, like backsliding, like they're, they're things that just you thought you had had changed something. And then now you're sort of find out you're in a different part of the world. It's like yeah. you, you're like, oh, I thought I was in the Pacific Ocean, but I'm actually in the Indian Ocean. Yeah. And everything I thought was wrong. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I have to reevaluate a lot of things simultaneously. Um, I think that kind of change is more like everything, like like the inside stays the same, but the entire outside is different. Or the, or maybe it's because the inside changes so much, and then the outside looks different. So I think those are the yeah. all these different. Uh, I'm articulating this poorly, but the third kind of change is when your perspective internally changes, which means you see the world differently, and then yeah. all of these other first two categories appear different to you as well. I, I think, think that's the it. perspective. 
the perspectives and an interesting part of all of those dimensions i would say is yeah i think change is super relative to me well i mean i'm sure it is to you guys as well but it's it's you know it's how i see things and then how you know i mean i would say part of that change that i've been going through for the last you know number of years is like white my whiteness and white supremacy like the the of the world was a big eye-opener for me like there was the one cartoon i saw last week on uh, uh the student walking up to the teacher and going with the the tulsa massacre uh or the tulsa you know whatever you call mm -hmm. it the race race riots there's several different ways to describe what happened in the 20s in tulsa oklahoma but it was walking up to the the history teacher saying what else haven't haven't you told me you know, and, mm -hmm. and so for me, like there was, there was a heavy awakening in the last five years is like, and I'm living in Oakland. So, and I'm actually doing the tour this week, um, on the, the, the history of like the black Panthers and, and stuff in Oakland. Yeah. And that's yeah. part of like, I would say reprogramming of my view of, cause my, my understanding of the black Panthers was very much watching television in the seventies and eighties. And, yep. and so my perspective of of has changed and shifted but it's it's the same history but my mm -hmm. because my perspective changed i'm seeking out new knowledge and new tidbits and then yeah. my 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 whole view of of race and this city that i live in my surroundings i mean all the way down to things are softening like it feels more like a community here in oakland the more of that awareness that I bring in, we kind of reprogram my history and how I see the world. So my my perspective has changed, and I think how Oakland feels and 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 sounds and looks, the colors, the tone um, is is going to be really different moving forward because I kind of embrace that change in a different way rather than digging my heels in. <coughs> And I've encountered a few people that are like, well, I'm moving out of here. We're, we're going up to Northern California. We're moving up to Idaho, you know, and they, I would say, I feel like they're dealing with change in a different way. I don't want to say they're not dealing with change because right. they're not on the same path. I am. I think that's a wrong way to look at it, but yep. like they're, they're embracing change in their own way and they're, and they're, and they're exiting um, but I feel like if I dug my heels in like that and just held on to what I already knew and didn't, didn't embrace change and be all right with me, you know, then I, I, it would be much more uncomfortable. I would be much, you know, angrier. So I don't know, <laughs> I, that went down a different road of change than I think I intended, but I'll pause. You that. know, I, I, I love that the way you started talking about this was how change is manifested in your connection to things. Things look different, things feel different. Um, uh, it the, the feels more like a community, sounds and sights and smells. You know, I mean, you literally went through like a list of senses uh, and, and I think I was hearing you sort of attribute it to sort of a perspective adjustment, right? So suddenly things look different or, you know, seem, so the, where's the change, right? Is the change on the outside or the changes on the inside? But I love the idea that you talked about them as connectables, as connections. Um, where you feel connected, how you feel connected, when you feel connected are a big part of us, right? That's it's kind of like it's it's wiring for us. Sometimes if I don't feel connected and I can't seem to find that connection, I might move, right? I might relocate. 
Now that's because I have a privilege <laughs> that I can, right? There are lots of situations where I cannot relocate myself. I can't relocate from this family very easily, right? <laughs> that's a lot harder than just like, you know, moving a house or, or flying to another place. So I think the way we deal with change is often the way we deal with connectivity, the way we're connected. Uh, and we, you know, we can't, for instance, me, I can't live in a state of, 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 of nervousness or stress or anxiety when I don't feel connected, when I feel threatened or when I feel dangerous in some way. So I have to deal with it. Something has to change. And almost always that change is me because I think it kind of goes to what Aiden was saying. There are so many things that I don't have agency for. I'm not in charge of them. I'm not in charge of the wind. I'm not in charge of the weather. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only in charge of this, this small space. And then rarely does that work well. So um, the change I think is, is within. And that goes to that, you know, the, the classic meme, like be the change you wanna see, right? Mm -hmm. So the way I feel connected often has to do with my perspective, just like you, you, you talked about. I, I think, um, so like how I got into the whole, like the storytelling based coaching stuff that I, that we started this whole show around, mm -hmm. um, was based on this blog post I wrote a while ago, I'll send it to you guys after this, but it was about the human brain as a dissonance reduction machine. Um, and I think like the most uncomfortable thing for pretty much anyone is to have the world on the outside, not match the stories they tell on the inside. And the way you change that and reduce that dissonance is you either accommodate the new information into your existing model, or you change your existing stories, or you change your environment and get away from the stimulus that is making you realize that you or situation or country or race relations or whatever the topic at hand is, is not what you wanted to believe it was. Um, and I think F. Scott Fitzgerald has this great quote. He says, uh, the, the, uh, the true mark of a first rate intelligence is holding two contradictory ideas in your head at the same time and not losing your mind. Um, and I think uh, that is part of why, that's part of what actually helps people change is because there's that transition boundary period where you are choosing to sit with two stories, the one you were raised with and the one that you pretty sure it's actually the truth or at least the truth right now and might you might learn even more and it might be different in the future but to sit with those two things long enough for one of them to take over or for that change to happen is really hard and most people will just make up excuses or that's what the digging in your heels is it's just you're, you're accommodating the new information into your story well um, well, well, of course they cover that up because that's what the government does. Like it just like, you know, it's how conspiracy theories get bigger and bigger is like, oh, well, it, the Rothschilds are part of it too, obviously. Like obviously. that's why, yeah. Um, and the other thing is like, oh, like radical, just like I'm going to believe this new thing and I'm going to let that start to influence my life in other ways. That's really hard to do. And I think mm -hmm. when you think of this world as like dissonance reduction, some of these choices start to make a little more sense. Why did that person run away from uh, marriage, city, country, whatever, I'll, couldn't accommodate it. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of the, um, there's nothing wrong in that choice. Like it just, every situation is no, different, no, no. but I think, yeah. I think there's just, um, that's the way I've always kind of modeled this is like the stories you tell yourself are how you're going to see the world and you're going to need to yep. change your stories or you're going to change your world to match the stories and yeah. you get to choose that. So like, you know, Ken, you leaned into the, maybe the story can change. 
other people go to North Carolina, North, uh, North California or Idaho or wherever, um, and they find an environment where their story is a little more tenable. And that's how I kind of think of the world. You know, just to jump in here, um, I, and I've talked uh, with Ken about this. There's, there's a great book. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it uh, before here, uh, called Innovate, Innovate by Bo Lotto. Bo Lotto is this sort of, I want to say, pop psychologist kind of person that he might be offended by that. So that, but that's the way it is. But he has this great sort of line about the way we innovate is, is really by thinking creatively. And then he gets into this bit about in order to change our future, we have to change our past. The stories we tell ourselves affect the futures that we will have, right? So I could view my past life as a series, a repeated series of failures that will affect what I see ahead of me, right? And what I choose. I could see my past life as a series of overcoming obstacles and that'll affect what I see around me and then my future, right? So I think it's the same sort of connection idea and, 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 uh, and sort of what you're saying too about the stories we, we tell ourselves. And I, I, I think that is what changes. Now I hadn't thought about it in terms of dissonance. I need to, need to kind of process that because that makes perfect sense. Because I talked about it in terms of anxiety and stress and like things I need to change. I'm too stressed out. I have to change something is the way my brain works, right? So I think I think there's there's a lot there that I need to I need to kind of contemplate. Yeah, well, dissonance you, you dissonance just... are are. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go uh, finish your thought. Dis, dissonance is a diff. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Your new stories are change logs. Uh, there's <laughs> works very congruently with all of his projects. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I like it. I mean, what you just what you described, Aiden, is exactly what kinlane.com was for the last five years for me. It was it was processing that out in the open, which for some weird I still can't totally understand why I needed to do it out in the open. That was a critical piece because I wouldn't have done the work otherwise. I don't know why, but it was you know, working I, through I, those I'm stories. Gonna, I'm just gonna say I think that is so brave to do that. I would be so intimidated to do that. And I, I, I so appreciated your willingness because it was helpful. I know you noticed this. It was helpful to others too, what you yeah. were doing in the open. I'm sorry, I interrupted no, you, but you. I just wanted to make sure. No, I no. I mean, that's, I think that that is part of it for me because I, I have emails and emails from people who are like, thank you. Like, you know, people who, who uh, had similar things that happened to our, our son, Isaiah, um, and, and people who are dealing with family similar to me, but I also ran off family members who will not talk to me to this day because I published, I didn't mention them personally or anything, but I talked about something that they were part of in, in a way that I processed and they knew it was them and they won't talk to me anymore because I published that out in the open. So it was very, very critical for me to work through those stories to, and part of dumping it the last week is like I'm like it did I did the work I I found that I I I'm not at a perfect balance with that dissonance but like I I settled so much of of what I was programmed growing up and then what I saw in the world as I you know you know as now that I I started defining my own space so I was settling that out in the open there I mean it, and it was literally like oh you know going home for Christmas and goddamn government, you know, 
Obama and they're they're evil. They're they're like you know killing babies, eating babies, and then I go back to D.C. and go to work, and I'm like in the office with Obama's team. You know, like I'm like wait, like you know, and and that imposter syndrome that I struggled with for so long, and you know, and so I reconciled a lot of those battles in my head, and and it took a lot to to kind of settle those stories. But now, like I feel like those stories are having them there are. Uh, somewhat of a dependency so that's why i need to kind of take them and, and put them off the side because i felt like having them there were going to prevent me from from moving forward in the ways that this new sure. new realm that that i had gotten uh you know place i had gotten to but i can still hold you know con deep conspiracy theory thoughts in my head um and you know banking industry you mentioned the rothschild all all those kind of things and 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 still and find a, a peaceful place like i'm actually going to start doing some more fictional storytelling around some of those things because i've found such a good place you know and yeah. and and so i think it's really important that that you think through those things but i i'm i'm more looking towards the future now the past i want to keep thinking about i think it's important that we we learn from and think about our past and history and not ignore it but I'm I'm more on that 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 forward motion and and I guess embracing change in in that way. But for me, I like the word that you used entropy in this, Mike, because I'm always trying to find the signal within the noise, you know. And, yeah. And and for me, like aging, you know, like it can just keep getting more chaotic and noisy, and and the entropy levels are just super high. For me, yeah. like the optimal moving forward is like. Um, I don't know a, a balance of entropy because there's amount a certain amount of entropy that's good. I feel like in, oh, yeah. in my reality and how I see the world. But it, 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 some you got to have things that are also recognizable, and you got to have uh, you got to be able to you know figure things out and move forward and have confidence. So yeah, yeah. That I mean that's exactly right. So there's this whole thing in information theory that the the real information is in the dissonance, in the diff to use Aiden's thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's where the information is. If you just keep repeating the signal over and over again, there's no new information. So it's when it changes, it's noticing the change and it's dealing with the change. That's one of the reasons I love change so much is because that's where the new material is, right? So I, I, mm -hmm. I love that a, a, a lot. So I, I agree with that 100%, 100%, yeah. yeah. I, I think another dimension of change, like we talked, I, I don't, I talked before about like the different kinds, but I think another dimension of it is the um, immediacy and the urgency of it. So I think like the kinds of changes that force you to face them like immediately can be really transformative in people's lives because they have no choice but to face it. I think the kind of change that is a little more um, challenging, but it's probably the more common kind is the change you kind of know you need to make or a change that's sort of like coming for a while and you can, Incredibly, like put it off because like you're gonna have food yeah. tonight. You're gonna have a bed to sleep in. You have a job tomorrow to go to and a routine you can go through to get through that job and do your part. Um, but there's so many opportunities that are I think are lost to people because they don't force the change or start to embrace that dissonance or start to try to work through it. They just let it sit there and they have a way of dealing mm -hmm. with the fact that it's sitting there instead of dealing with the thing. Yeah. And it takes like a hundred times more effort to deal with the thing and integrate it. But um, you know, that pile can only get so big before you're not able to deal with any of it. So I, I think that yeah. we live a, this pri pri privileged life where a lot of our problems we can defer. And that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that we get 
the benefit of deferring them, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. No. Yeah, and I think another way to, to, to look at it is that's also exactly what we're experiencing with climate change, right? Mm -hmm. We're just deferring, we're deferring, we don't want to face it. It's not getting any easier, but it demands an awful lot. And it's a hundred times more costly or, or uh, disruptive to face it than to ignore it on the, you know, on the short term. You know, so I think I think mm -hmm. we see lots and lots of examples of this in so many places. I, you know, I I thought about, um, you know, we I was using the entropy term. That's real. I got that from Claude Shannon. He was sort of using this mm -hmm. idea that the information, the entropic part, he called it surprisal. Right, which is kind of what mm -hmm. Aiden was saying—the things that surprise us, the things that we suddenly have to face. Oh my gosh, I have to—I have to face this about myself. I have to face this about my life, or or what I've been putting off. I mean, I think those are the super—they can be super challenging, but they're the—I I forget who said it, it was Aiden or it was you—is it like it's an opportunity, right? Suddenly, I'm presented with an opportunity. So I think uh, the truth for me is. I have too many opportunities. There are so many things that I could change. I'm a little, I'm a little uh, freaked out. There's a high noise content, so it's easier for me just to say, yeah, no, I'm gonna go lay down. So I don't change anything, and that's a mistake, right? So typically, I, I need to. I've actually tried to remind myself of that sort of one small incremental thing. Well, I can't really deal with the big change. Maybe if I just, you know, change this part, I'll be better. So I think there are all sorts of strategies for dealing with it. Well, and trying to, I think, come. So I'm. We were talking before we got on the show. I have a, a funeral to go to in, in a week and a half in my hometown, and um, see a lot of people that I don't really want to see who don't uh, <laughs> don't embrace change. It's a town full of people who like. I don't feel like going to work. I'm not going to work. And that's your every day. You know, oh, I don't feel like don't caring about environmental change. It's not real. I'm not going to think about it, you know, and that's and so I'm going to go back into that world, you know, and thinking about myself and thinking, God oh, dang it, I lost that thread on this one again, man, I'm losing dropping threads on, on thoughts lately. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that conversation. Th so, things man, are change, oh. changing right in the midstream, right? There's change happens. And then... <laughs> it's a metaphor. I love the entropy. I, I yeah. love the entropy part of this, trying to, and the, and the signal and the noise and the diff and, yeah. Um, yeah. and trying to, oh, that's where I was going with it is, is just walking out your, or getting up every morning, walking out the doorstep and, and I know some of the conversations I'm going to have with folks are like, you know, the world's a scary place. There's like war and, and people are dying and raping and pillaging and like all the, I'm like, yes, yes. But you still got to get up and go out into that world, you know? And I was having this argument with someone on Facebook that I know I'm going to see in a couple of weeks about like, you know, the world's a beautiful place. And like, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> how can you even say that in today's climate? You know, it's like, you know, things are changing. Like the internet's changing everything and it's just rapidly and i'm like well, wait okay so I'll, I'll ask you guys this is the internet changing everything faster than ever before well you know this went back to what i said before about that that faster than ever be before part i don't trust anymore because um i don't i don't I, I certainly think that there's more change 
whether it's faster or slower, I, I, I can't I can't imagine. I was thinking about you know my my grandparents grew up in the motor age, the electrical age, right? When they were born, there there were nothing. There was no, there was no electricity. There were no cars. Um, I grew up in the computing age. When I was born, the the idea of a computer was uh, they were like three in the world, right? So we all experienced some massive shift, I think, you know, and I could pick other generations. Everybody can sort of pick something. Um, I don't think it's happening any faster. I think it's harder for me to deal with, uh, but I think that's because of me. And uh, I think yeah. it's changing the way we deal with community. Certainly, uh, the ability to call somebody on the phone totally changed social connections, right? The ability to, to ride a subway, a train, a motorized vehicle, to get from you know like into town to work that totally changed society cars automobiles so i think the internet is certainly changing that but i don't know if it's doing it any faster that's my opinion i think it's i think it's probably just the just as rapidly confusing as ever i don't know aiden, aiden what do you think uh well with an even shorter sample of data <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice nicely put there he is very good it seems as though it is moving. The rate at which things are changing is in fact changing. Um, they call that <laughs> jerk in aviation. It's the rate of acceleration changing over time. Um, so it's like just one more, it's like cubed instead of squared or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think that maybe it's not changing as fast as I think it is, but I would say that the consequences of the changes are are very high. Like, yeah. like I, I think that, the most significant thing that's happened in our life was something that um, we were talking about on the show a few weeks ago was like just the breakup of the media and how media essentially died. Um, the, this, this old, old world media that we had. Yeah. And yeah. I think one of the things that people just completely glaze over when they think about that, that event is that local newspapers went away. Um, yeah. You know, there's a reason why you, like I was in San Francisco last week and I went to a coffee shop and I bought the New York times. And that wasn't possible. That shouldn't have been yeah. possible. Because yeah. the stories about New York, you know, 60 years ago were not as important. And it would take a long time to get it from New York over there. So like mm -hmm. everyone was reading their own local paper because like you couldn't get the paper from the other place. And that led to a bunch of effects. One was that there was only one or two papers in town. So they the only way you go from 40% market share to 50 is to be less biased and make a bigger audience, not more biased with a smaller audience. Um, and I think today with a platform for everything, everything is going to have a certain kind of person that it can target. And you can make a living off of targeting one kind of person and making them more indoctrinated into that line of thought. And no one's doing it like with an evil hat on. They're just responding to their incentives and their ad revenue went up that month when they did that thing. And we've completely changed this like, like in a small town. And I've gone to a bunch intentionally to try to see what's going on there because I was very surprised when my home state voted a certain way in 2016. And I was like, I need to go visit other places and see what's going on here. And they, they could tell me more about what was going on in the White House and in the global news than they could tell me about their own town. I was like, what's good around here? Oh, I don't know, something, something opened recently. How is it? <laughs> How often is a new restaurant open here? Uh, once every, I don't know, year or two? You haven't gone yet? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, just it, these, like they have, people have opinions about the big world, but, I'm guilty of this too. I don't know the last restaurant that opened in my town. Like, and yeah. I, I could probably tell you the last foreign policy thing that's going on. And there's something lost in that community. The fact that 
our characters that we share when we're having conversations are like the same set of celebrities, the same set of heroes and the same set of villains is actually kind of counterproductive because it makes us miss a lot of things going on around us. And I think that the idea that like, um, like there's definitely a good reason to have globalized economies. I don't know if there's a good reason to have globalized information. I'm still like TBD and it might take me another 10 years to decide, but I think that mm-hmm. the, uh, the way the internet has, has come together has had a lot of upsides and a lot of downsides. And I just, I think community is something that's important, like real touching each other, hugging each other. Now that it's okay, community matters. And the internet gives us a, a pleasant distraction to maybe not have to do that. And I don't know if that's good. Well, and I would say, you know, to, to answer my own question, what I, you know, and share my thoughts on it is, I don't think things are changing any faster. Um, and I read a book last year called Rise and Fall of American Growth. It was Robert Gordon. And his his argument is is the period from 1870 to 1970, so your grandparent, you know, my your your parents and grandparents generation, things truly changed more dramatically than than they have from 1970 till till now. And because of phone, electricity, antibiotics, like some pretty foundational things that shifted everybody's reality. And I, you know, I'm still processing this one, but what I, to, to build on what you're saying, Aiden, is I don't, I just feel like the internet has uprooted some very critical anchors of our reality and, and back to our perception being local news and being one important and, and kept us indoors, building on what TV started, I think, um, kept us out of our communities and further disconnected those, 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 those positive dependencies. I don't want to say dependency in a negative way, positive dependencies on people in our community, people around us. And it allows our chain to be yanked faster and harder Mm -hmm. and in more different ways so that yeah. it feels like the ship is rocking and changing faster than ever before because a we're not grounded but b we have this always on constant yanking thing that that's like it's changing it's fast it's like uh, the world mm-hmm. and like uh you're being left behind and you're not so that's my Yeah exercise. and I think I mean I think also it isn't just that we get more information but we we now realize uh, I think we're starting to realize with documentaries like Coded Bias and all these other things, the information we're getting is actually not very helpful. So it isn't just that there's more of it, it's we're being targeted in ways that we don't really recognize. I'm only seeing the things that some algorithm, that some people somewhere who have their own opinions about things have decided I should see, right? I, um, I don't really have, and to, and to use, there was a line in that. Have you guys seen the Coded Bias uh, documentary? If anybody's listening and they haven't seen it, definitely encourage you to, to see it. One of the lines in there was one of the challenges with uh, with selection algorithms, whether it's uh, for news information or where you whether you get a loan or graduate or whatever the case may be, is the selection algorithms can be applied to us, but we can't reverse and apply those selection algorithms somewhere else. And the algorithms are almost always applied in ways that don't allow us to have knobs. Like we're mm-hmm. just completely passively um, stuck consuming them. So I think one of one of the things one of the, one of the things I think about is, I think what's going on right now is there are more aspects of our lives that we realize we're 
we're being fed. I mean, Randolph Hearst was feeding uh, information, you know, during this this the uh, the uh, Spanish American War. I mean, this, this this is not new, right? There's been feeding, but it's at a level and at a detail. Kind of goes back to your saying about you know these categories. You can now make a living feeding the Mike Amundsons of the world. You can actually make a profit, right? You can you can also create a separate channel for the Aidens and a separate channel for the Kins and make money on that. And I don't always realize that I'm being I'm being force fed, right? So I think that may be part of what the internet's doing too, and that is it's it's in not just going faster, but it's enabling a kind of uh, loss of control or lack of control. I'm encouraged the yeah. fact that I'm talking about it. That tells us that we have a chance. I think. Yeah, I think the the like the non-trivial thing that you're getting at, Mike, um, that I think people are starting to figure out is that it's not just about like the number of media outlets, like as that changes, like the media itself changes in degree and in kind. So I remember reading um, this, uh, this paper back when I was in film, filmish school, trying to do that part of my life and then decided I didn't want to do that. Um, and it was about how there used to be three networks, uh, CBS, yeah. NBC, ABC. Um, and that meant that there were three things that you could watch uh, yeah. every night. And you know you would come into work, and there'd be a group that had watched the sports something, and there was a group that had watched the news, and a group that watched I Love Lucy, and like three tables is fine, but forty tables not so fine. But the people would have the same the same episode yeah. of something to talk about every day. Yeah. It wasn't did you see that show on Netflix, and then you hope that one of the twenty people you interact with that day have and right. go deep on it. It's like we all saw that episode of I Love Lucy because it started at seven and it ended at eight. <laughs> and there's no other way yeah. we could have seen it if we liked the show. Um, and that yeah, was FOMO, FOMO was much bigger in the 60s than it is now. Because mm -hmm. it was the only we time all, we got to see that. Yeah, But we also, because of that, we always had something the same to talk about. Or we always saw Walter Cronkite give his uh, nightly address. And we could yep. have the same set of facts because Walter said it and we all watched. Um, yeah. And they're, you know, and, and that's fine. You definitely don't want one state-owned media. You definitely don't want 200 independent ones either. And the right answer is somewhere in the middle, but probably more towards the left of that with like three or four independent things that yeah. can balance each other. But we don't have that anymore. And it's, uh, it's fascinating how like, you know, community is as much about what we eat as it is about where we eat and the food we eat. Like, and I mean, like information eating, like it's yeah. what we bring in. So, you know, we all talk about APIs more than more than the people I interact with outside of this talk about APIs. Um, but it's why we're able to have fun, engaging conversations that also are talking about all the other important things in life, because we use that as our as our grounding. And for other people in my life, I have other groundings. But sure. I don't feel like as a society, like most people I meet, like, you know, like have some completely different place they come from that I it's not like I, there's three choices. There's like 50. And that's kind of cool. But at the same time, it's like, I can't even get where you are right now. Like we're gonna have to come to this like other middle ground. Like, do you like ice cream? I love ice cream. Let's talk about that. Like, and then we can build up from there. Um, so I don't know. It's just it's an interesting thing to think about. Do Do you like just plain flavors, or do you like like fruit and chunks in your ice cream? This new like uh, this new place w just opened where you can get the ice cream, and then they'll dip it in a flavor for you, and that flavor like yeah. becomes a shell around it. It's not, never seen it before. It's so good. Wait a minute. It's like sort of a wax, sort of a waxy cover, like kind of thing. Like like yeah. dipping in chocolate, but 
but it's dipping yeah, in flavor. But they have different flavors now because we we now know how to make any <laughs> any uh, anything we want taste like anything we want, even <laughs> if that thing didn't exist in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I you know what I like this idea. So my mine is back. I'm vanilla. I'm all about vanilla ice cream. Really? I don't want any flavors right now. And mine is because my wife bakes amazing stuff. So she gets stuff from our CSA apricots right now. She's making apricot oatmeal bars. And so I take an oatmeal apricot oatmeal bar, bowl of vanilla ice cream, put it at the top and go. And then that's my ice cream, you know. And well, so, then, and then so, so you do you do like fruits and flavors and stuff, but you want to be oh, yeah, in control. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and it's back to the knobs and levers. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm all right with, you know, I'm all right with things as long as I have the agency and I have the control. I just don't want to be fed, you know, and someone, I, I, you know, give me the stories that they think I want. You know, I want control over my ice cream. I don't want chocolate swirl, vanilla, pumpkin, something, you know, that some other, I want to have that agency and control. So, so to, to, to kind of put a, put a cap on it from my perspective, what, what I really want to do and what I try to do is I try to give people the knobs and levers. Mm. I try not to tell people you're being played, you know, this is biased, you know, whatever, or make value judgments about things. But what I try to do is say, have you tried tweaking this knob? Have you tried changing the lever? Have you tried moving your perspective? That's what I want to give people the power to do. Even to the point of that's the way I think about the APIs too. I want to create APIs that allow other people to do other things with them, not just consume what it is I'm putting out. Amen. And I think that for me, that's, that was, that's the difference between good and bad technology, good and bad internet technology devices, like, you know, the, the ability to view source and get at behind what's going on and yeah. have some control and whether that's knowing how to do it or being, or legally, like being able to fix yeah. and work, you know, and, and, and things I know Apple and others, and I've seen, you know, that's what always freaks me out is technology closing it up so you can only you can't get behind and you can't yeah and so yeah amen i'm all for that yeah give people yeah. the the knobs and levers yeah. yeah i i agree i i would maybe frame it like one one step to the side though i think for for me i really believe that if we can like like we know as humans what makes us happy wealthy wise successful loving capable of loving like people have been writing about it for five thousand years um we also like know how to make our, our companies and our institutions better. There's a lot of great ideas for improving society and they never really get tried. Um, and I think this, to me, the, the thing that's like really important is to make it so that we're able to change. And that's like giving people the knobs and the levers. It's removing the post-it note that's over the button. So that says, do not push should be like, you, <laughs> do know, not you, push. Can, yeah. you, you know, you can take this off, right? Like, yeah, this is right, <laughs> it's right there. Um, yeah. I think, a lot of stuff is as much about giving them the knobs as about taking away the thing that's blocking them. So that's, yeah. you know, to, to refute what Ken has behind him on the wall. I think uh, breaking changes <laughs> are something we should strive for, but we should make it so that they are safe. <laughs> and that's our lives, yeah. APIs and everything. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and including the idea that you realize if you press this knob, this is a one way door. You're not coming back. Yeah. This just, one it, it's totally fine. Just, yeah, just know, it's a one-way door. This one over here, there's a bunch of two-way doors. You can go in, test it, 
seems quick and kind of weird, you can come back, right? That, so the meta about all of that, enabling mm -hmm. and empowering people to recognize what they can change and giving them the ability to do that change and kind of giving them a little bit of a preview of what the consequences might be so they can make choices, right? And then some of those things we as a community, as a group say, you know, everybody doesn't have to go through this whole process of making this choice. Let's just sort of make it a rule, you know, mm -hmm. that you can't steal candy from kids. Let's just, can we do that? You know, that's kind of how how things work, right? And I think, you know, enabling people to do that is super powerful. What frustrates me so much in a lot of my life is the inability to affect change. Now, sometimes that's simply perceived, like I don't think I can make change, but I could. But the inability to, to see something that I'm not happy with and think that I'm not able to change it, um, whether that's true or not, those are the things that cause me frustration in life. It isn't just that things happen. It's that things happen and I think I can't change it. I think that's a good place to end things. That's a great note to uh, okay. I thought we were gonna wrap fix that. up this <laughs> Everybody, okay. everybody press the red button. Yes, now go. together. Right? <laughs> Take that sticky note off. Uh, let's go. I love it. Well, that was a good one, you guys. Great idea. Um, great idea. Yeah. It's gonna sit with me for we made for it work. Weekend. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much for just being open. I love talking to you guys yeah. about everything. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. This is the place where I yeah. say things I don't often say out loud. You know, I just like, like <laughs> in there in my head. So I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe this is not a good idea, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> Press the button. Press oh. the button. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you two. Uh, enjoy your weekend. I'm going to let Mike go first, but uh, see you guys. See you, Mike. Have fun. Enjoy it, and we'll we'll talk to you next time. You see it. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you, Aiden. Of course. Have uh, a good time. This is real fun. Have a good weekend, Ken. I'll catch you next week. Alrighty. We'll see you. There goes Aiden. All right. Another one for the record books. Um, very cool. If you're tuned in, thank you. Appreciate you tuning in and. Hopefully we'll catch you next time.